Dub Nation. That's the Golden State. Everybody knows Steph trying to be great. But he got Clay and Draymond Green. Ain't trying to be mean. Yeah. Draymond Green need to get lean. <laughs> Fucking fat ass. He a little chubby though. Like Luka. Like Luka Doncic. Yeah. Fuck it. I'ma cross it up and I'ma switch it up and I'ma talk about the Mavs. Fuck it, wait, I'ma talk about the Cavs. Darius Garland, my nigga, oh, he I know he gonna say, hit him with the pass. Wait, throw the lob to Jared Allen. Man, I thought you were gonna say, fuck it, I'ma switch it up and talk about the Mavs. Mm. And then you said, uh, I'ma switch it up and talk about the Cavs. Mm. And then I'm gonna pass it to Utah, like Stockton, so I can talk about the Jazz. Mm, like the Jazz? Okay, that's, that's what, what I thought. You've reached Hoop and Holler. A square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lions Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. So <laughs> you don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But when it boils down, like that's what we're here for is the basketball. But we don't talk about Carmelo, that nigga pedophile. All right, hold up. I'm bullshitting. Welcome to Hoop and Holler. You know, we like to try to keep it as a fun vibe here on the show, but y'all don't need to hear any more of my... that Everything else coming on the mixtape, dropping in uh, uh, July 2026. We gonna, we gonna, I'm gonna need, I need to let it marinate a little bit. But here we are back again at the studio, man. It's a cool, what, 6, 6.30 right now, 6.21? Yep. We finna hop into another episode. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today, we're just going to run through a couple of news and notes around the league, and then we're going to finish up the show with our top 10 tandems in the NBA. So we're going to be talking a little bit of probably some LeBron and AD in there. I don't know how you feel about that currently, but you obviously got your you got your Steph and Clay or your Steph and Dre, depending on how you look at it. We'll get into all of that. Yep. But to start the show... Let's talk about some of these players that have been injured but are about to reinsert themselves into the lineup and the effect that that might have across the face of the league. Starting up with the team that I was rapping about originally, James Wiseman. I mean, the Golden State Warriors, who got James Wiseman back in the fold. He's scheduled to play in a couple of G League games. And I got to say, if James Wiseman, and I've been saying this, honestly, if he's been taking mental reps, that's going to be a big help to the Warriors. What do you think, Julio? Well, this is my thing. This, this is the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic and James Wiseman specifically, a coach came out and said um, that they don't expect him to play or get any minutes. Which coach? I think I, I forgot which one. But like from it, the Warriors bench though? Yes. Oh, damn. Yes. And so I don't know. I, I want to throw it to you, and, and I wish Eddie was here. Do you truly believe that, or is that trying to release pressure off of the young guy and you know not trying to set too high of expectations onto him? Saying like it's not. I'm not trying to say that the Warriors need freaking saving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, just trying to take pressure off him. I, I will say that the Warriors because it's only Ke- Kevon Looney, in front yeah, of them, right. And it's like something they've done. Well, technically, I guess you could throw Draymond in there. Yeah, but like what they've done incredibly well with their other two rookies, and I'm still throwing James Wiseman, even though he's not technically a rookie. I'm throwing him in there because this is somebody who came out of high school. Barely played in college because of the whole scandal at Memphis. Barely has NBA game reps. Like, and for all intents and purposes, James Wiseman's a rookie. He has rookie caliber game reps at an NBA level. Um, but what they've done with Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga ha- is put them in really finite roles and um, been able to kind of ease them into the game, not asking them to do too, too much. And you've seen that reap benefits. Jonathan Kaminga has flashes, it feels like, you know, every week or so you see a cut another highlight from the dude and it's like okay i see the potential i see why they drafted him where they did same with moody um so if that's the expectation that we should have for wiseman as well which i would hope given the success of the warriors um that that's where they're gonna 
start him at is to ease him into that lineup and not ask him to do too, too much. But, hey, here's where you roll. Here's how you set a screen to open up for Steph. Um, you know, defensively, here's where I need you to cover. Like, things like that. That's really where you got to start him and then ease him into the process. If he's picking up quickly, maybe you have another center that you can run 20, 25 minutes in the playoff run. But I would say, to answer your question, it's probably to try to relinquish the expectations off his shoulder as the number three overall pick at the or number two, number, number two, two, right? Yeah, number two overall pick, uh, like he was. It's like, hey, dog, we don't need you to do everything right now. We just need you to be great at the little things, and then we can kind of ease you your way to try to become the super the superstar that we think you're capable of being. I, I just wonder what happened with with James Wiseman. He, he uh, at first he was on, on the same trajectory in tor- in terms of. Uh, timeline and coming back and playing as clay thompson yeah that i mean you know how injuries December. can get especially with, with tall dudes like that because his was his knee if i remember correctly yeah. right was it a meniscus yeah his meniscus um you know how it can get with dudes that size kind of trying to get their feet back under him um yeah i hope he's and i'm glad that he had the time and space to really get back healthy into 100 percent because you don't want to send him out there unless you absolutely have to this isn't a zion williamson circumstance where the entire city of new orleans is like where the fuck is you at like they're good without him they're great without him they don't need him so take all of this time to really ease him into the process right i i just thought right now was the perfect time because draymond's out but now he's gonna come back but you want to be i I wouldn't want to like the last thing i would want for a guy like james wiseman is to insert him into the lineup and say i need you to do what draymond does and not not to say that that's what they would have done but mm -hmm. it's it's fair to think that that sort of pressure might have been on his shoulders i would rather him come and play in certain spots where Draymond's sitting out. That way he'd come on the bench, holler at him for a couple seconds, because I know Draymond, he went on, um, which podcast was he on? Draymond does so much media nowadays, but he basically said that's the most hurtful part about not being out on the court, is not being able to coach dudes from the bench. Um, So I, I think like having James Wiseman come back now is probably a good sign for him, um, and probably best for his development, because like I always say with him, it's going to be not long, but his arc is not going to be that of one of these rookies that you see just like Evan Mobley that just comes onto the scene already ready to roll. James Wiseman's not that you can't, it's not fair to ask him to be that, but what he can be is a damn good player. If you give him time to cultivate his talents in a setting that's conducive to doing so. So I'm glad he has that. He has that at his disposal for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe he gets some playoff minutes this year, Yeah. but that's one injury. The next one was Zion, who I just mentioned, who it seems like is back in new Orleans. Back yeah, with the team. Back with the team. I I just think with this, I obviously estimated, um, not from this, uh, maybe like a little bit before the middle of the season, I was like, this dude is going to be out for the rest of the year. The only benefit of bringing him back uh, and, and playing him in some games before the season ends is to do kind of like the Paul George effect, mm-hmm. where Paul George came back for the Pacers when they were in the playoffs or trying to get in the playoffs, something like that. Um, after he had his leg injury, it wasn't so much to oh let's make a push, but even though that they the Pelicans can and they can get it in, in the playing tournament, yeah. But it's mostly just to get his feet you know wet under him, so he he can come into next season kind of feeling more confident, and it's not his first game back, and uh, you know him missing all, all these. All these freaking games, you, you want to get them out on the court playing with CJ and playing with the rest of the guys. I'm not sure I, I even necessarily equate his being back with the team with him being able to play at some Facts. point this year. No, that, because, that's true. Yeah, because that, that don't that don't mean he's ready that to play. That just means dude's not in Portland. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's just, he's just back in New Orleans, which honestly, I would there's no way to really tell this for sure because it, it, it's purely speculation. But I have to imagine that the whole blow up that came about with CJ and him and he had in contact like probably that had something to yeah. do with him Hell wanting yeah. to go back to the Pelicans just saying that probably looks bad on my part let me go back to the team that I'm with but that by no means yeah I don't think that means we're going to see Zion this year yeah um or perhaps ever in a Pelicans uniform ever again who the hell Push knows um but to that point usually you, you mentioned it the Pelicans look kind of nice right now and maybe that has something to do with Zion wanting to be back is the fact that CJ is kind of playing his ass off and you got to give credit where it's due there because I didn't think CJ had all of this in him. I knew he was a bucket. I knew his game was for, I mean, obviously with the size that he has, he has to have a really, really refined, skilled game. But I'm not sure I, I saw this level of guard capability in him when he was in Portland. And maybe it was just because of his situation. Obviously, Damian Lillard's the A1 alpha. 
But CJ's got some juice to him for sure, more than I thought he had. And I knew this was an all-star caliber player, but, hell, he's looking like he can join this echelon of, of some of the better lead guards in the league right now, especially pairing with B.I. That's a nice little wine and cheese pairing. You know, I'm 21 now, so I can talk about that sort of stuff. Wine but and cheese or tacos and tequila? I've never had tacos and tequila. You never had tacos? I've had tacos. You never had tequila? No, I've never had tequila, no. That sounds, like, painful. I don't know. Is that the one with the worm? I don't know. I don't know. I don't drink. I don't drink either. Question. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. You gotta. You got You gotta give credit to CJ from McCollum for the way he's been playing. Um, and then this last one, Ben Simmons. Oh, so mm. interesting. So interesting. So there's layers to it, right? Yeah. Because on the one hand, you're kind of talking about we don't even know if he's gonna be back this year. Apparently, he has a back injury that might hinder him from returning as soon as we thought, if at all, which would be crazy because I thought it was kind of a done deal that as soon as he was out of Philadelphia, he'd be able to take the court. But it's not that cut and dry, evidently. Um, he, and he 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 has, to, to be fair, because everything that they're putting out like in favor of Simmons being hurt or not being able to play, everybody's taking it as a joke mm-hmm. and just not true. To be fair, he has had... Uh, back issues. I think when he came into the draft and a, a few years ago with the Sixers, I I actually think it caused him to miss a playoff game or two mm. um, w- with those back injuries. But um, moving on from that, just from what you said, I thought, and I still think these reports are being put out uh, just so he can miss the time up to the March 10th tomorrow's game mm. against the 76ers and then maybe miss like three more games, and then he'll be back. That, that's what I think is going to happen. But the big story about this is, like, okay, if you're not going to play against Philly, why, and you're going to be playing, in, the, the teams are going to be playing in Philly, why are you going to be on the bench, bro? Mm. Why are you going to be on the bench? So the, the we got the answer today, and mind you, it's from a is real, this Is this for sure, for sure, that's the, that's the reason why that you're so about to say? Th- this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to preface... What I'm about to say by saying that this came from a Philly reporter, um, a, a website that's associated with the team. So obviously that probably means it came from the, the Sixers organization. But apparently he's going to the game so he can get even more supporting evidence um, in in his case because he's about to file a grievance against the 76ers in, a, in the coming days saying that I am entitled to the $20 million that the Sixers did not pay me because they fined me, and they fined him because he did not fulfill his contractual obligations of being and playing with the team and being at practice and so on and so forth. But he couldn't complete those actions and those tasks because of the environment that the 76ers organization and the fan base created. And so he's going to use him going to the bench, people booing him, people throwing crap at him maybe. Um, as evidence to support why he should be entitled to those $20 million. I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know if it was Ben <laughs> Simmons' idea. I don't know if it was Rich Paul or somebody at Clutch or, or Ben's lawyers, but... That's fucking <laughs> That's creative, genius. Bro. That's genius. That's genius. Because you know it's about to get ill. You know it's but about to get ill. But the 76ers, you know, if this is coming from them, they're going to prepare themselves. And there's only so much... What are they going to do? More security. Everybody be quiet. Because Ben trying to get 20 mil off us, okay? Everybody shut the hell up. That ain't going to fly. You know how Philly fans get down. You know what I want to happen? I want a tribute video. Because that shit... I mean, there's no way around. They would boo the shit out of him. They'd be like, boo, fuck you, (laughs) fucking suck. (laughs) Trey Young. Like, it's going to be ill. It's going to get ill. And like... Yeah, there's no way to tell where his true motivations lie. I read a, a, a report that said that he wants to be there with his teammates. I have to imagine that there's some level of like, like even in his own head, maybe that's just like, let me just get this shit off my chest. Let me get it out the way now. You know what I mean? I'd rather do this now shit. than like fucking yeah, have it be but a I'd rather, game, se- no, game but seven. I, I'd rather do series. this now in terms of playing though. Because what if you guys play in the freaking playoffs and it's like starting from ground zero again? Because you're going to be suiting up for the first time. I mean, the first time is always the illest, though. I don't think it's ever going to be, especially the fact that you're on the bench. Because mind you, when you're in the game, you know, like I know, you can kind of lock into the flow of the game. You're on the bench. You got to 
gotta sit there and listen mm. to the shit the whole time. Yeah. You know the folks behind them. Fuck you, Ben. Fuck Sorry, you, ben. motherfucker. Yeah. Nah, woo. Like he's really gonna have to eat that shit. And ben, ten percent. Like it, it's gonna get ill, bro. It's gonna get ill. And him having his teammates with there with him to support him, I, I think there's a level of camaraderie that's gonna be built in that. I, I want Kyrie to go off. He popped off the other night. He had a cool fifty. 50. Only other player to have fifty points on seventy-five plus percent shooting. Who was it? I don't know. Michael Jordan. I mean, Kyrie the most skilled. If that don't tell people Kyrie the, the most skilled player of all time, I mean, how do you get 50 on 19 shots? That's ridiculous. On 75% shooting is crazy. That's, that's ridiculous, bro. But, yeah. Like, yeah, that that, that, that situation is going to be, like, one thing's for sure. That I would estimate that's going to be the highest viewed I'm gonna be regular season game. And I don't, I don't really. This season, you know, for sure. You know, I don't watch regular season games like, like that. Lock, either. yeah, like at least lock not into live. so many games. Um, yeah. I might watch it back on a NBA something like that or whatever. Yeah. But, um. Lastly, injuries. The Nuggets might have a return of not one but two of their stars heading into the playoff surge, being Jamal Murray, the point guard, and Michael Porter Jr., the star young wing. Julio, my question for you is. You get those two dudes back in the fold with Nikola Jokic playing the way that he's playing. What is the ceiling that you think you see for this team heading into this playoffs in the Western Conference? How, how long has Jamal Murray been out? He's it's been a while. It's been a while. I, I damn near because he got hurt right before the playoffs last year, if I remember correctly. It to to so me almost it, a year. To me, it all depends on on him, and obviously, I'm not saying MPJ isn't a big factor because he is. Mm-hmm. He he really is. But the moment you get Jamal Murray at that peak level, if you can get him at that peak level, and, and mind you, we, I think we have like four more weeks of the season to go. So if he can get you know two and a half weeks in and get ramped up, I mean, my God, Jokic is so insane right now. You don't need. 100% Murray. Exactly. You get 85. Or if you get 100% Murray and 50% uh, Michael Porter Jr., you're solid, bro. Yeah. You're solid. And so it's so many, you know, with this playing tournament and, and how things are going with injuries and teams maybe not being where they should be in terms of rankings. I mean, like we talked about this last pod, <laughs> your reward for being a second, third, even fourth seed is like, not a good reward in the East or in the West yeah. a lot of times. So it's like, fuck, I don't want to have to – I'm the third seed or, or whatever. I don't want to play the Denver freaking Nuggets, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're legit. Uh, I think – I'm trying to think right now. Title contenders, if if Jamal Murray can get back to 100%. Title contenders. You see them beating Phoenix? I th- I think it can happen. I think Yoke would fucking eat up Aiton. Aiton, but their defense is so good that yeah. it's not one man on a freaking island. Yeah. And so if it was AD, you know, he'd get punked, put in the ground, buried 26 feet deep. Um, but, um, you know, I, either way, I think Jokic is so good. The combination of him and Murray is just, I, I think they, they can put up a, a good fight that against Murray. inverted Phoenix. pick and roll is going to go crazy because you know Murray and forget about that shit. We won't, we won't get into the. Inverted pick and roll. (laughs) What did we expect? I'll put it that way. What did we honestly expect from Russell Westbrook in this situation? I didn't expect much. Exactly. But he's fucking horrible. Like, that's just the truth. So is Russell Westbrook the problem, or is he just not the solution? He's... He's Would this team both? be better or worse without Russell Westbrook? It'd be better. That's cap. That's cap. No, they'd be better. No, they would not. How would they be better without Russell? So you're just saying you the same roster and you just replace Russell Westbrook with Joe Smo G Leaguer. No, th- they'd be they better. would be better because cap. Le- LeBron would be forced to handle the rock more and less turnovers would be made throughout the game. That's absolute cap. I refuse to no. accept that. That, that. that team would be sitting there with the same record that it currently has. It's just a poorly constructed roster. That okay. happens to have Russell Westbrook on it. Yeah, and we'd be better. 
No, I'm not you saying would not. we'd be in the freaking playoffs. No, no, no. You would. I, I feel like this team would have the damn near the same record. I'm not gonna lie, because Russell Westbrook has not single-handedly lost this team any games. Yeah, he has. No, uh, I've lost. Uh, I've seen various games where, where he's lost single-handedly. Yes, because his, uh, of his turnovers and bad decision making. And again, that that's not on him. That's on the Lakers front office and LeBron. And it gets me. It gets me really, really frustrated because it's so easy. How can you not see that a guy like even throw out DeMar DeRozan because I love him. I might be biased and he's having an MVP, uh, MVP, you know, caliber season this season. So throw him out the window. Even a guy like Buddy Heald, bro. You telling me if you replace Buddy Heald and Russell Westbrook, we wouldn't be better? Yeah. 100%. Even if you replace Russell Westbrook with Alex fucking Caruso, we'd be better. be better. There yeah. you go. Probably be better. That's, what, that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to but say. But it's not Russell Westbrook's fault that the Lakers thought Russell Westbrook would work. Vogel's getting fired, so... Vogel's getting two, fired, yes. Two names. Two, two names. Two names that I'd uh, be excited for, actually, to, to replace him. I don't really get excited about coaches. Um, now, before you get into these names, uh-huh. I want to ask you. If you were a coach, are you taking this job? What kind of coach? A Mike D'Antoni type of coach or uh, someone trying to make it like I'm young? And if you were coming? an established coach that could take... Like a Mark Jackson? Not Mark Jack. Oh, Mark, oh, shit. Yeah, Mark Jackson better take what he can get, honestly, because that boy in the booth. Um, Like if you were a coach who had multiple all coaching jobs on the table in oh, the NBA. no. So you'd only take it if this was your only one? No, not if it's my only one, but if somebody offered me the freaking, I don't know, Pelicans or, I don't know, some... I'm trying to think of what some of the other coaching... So, the, like the Knicks? Fuck the Knicks. What I'm trying to gauge is like how attractive does this Lakers coaching job seem to be? I mean, not very attractive because, right. I mean, Vogel was hired and... Um, extended with the mentality of you're only going to be here when LeBron's here and then once he's gone like we're cleaning fucking house mm-hmm. with everybody so I mean Le- LeBron after this year shoot one more year with the Lakers if he decides to leave or e- even if it's two more years it's you ask him he's trying to stay the whole way so I, I mean if you're trying to build something long term no it's not going to be your first option but if you tell me the Knicks or the freaking Orlando Magic. But the Orlando Magic have so many young guys. No. Now, honestly, the Orlando Magic actually do have a lot of talent on that team. I'm not going to lie. I know, they but they're lot. not going to do shit. Not with that core, but if you're able to consolidate some of it, I digress. But, like, I, I don't think the the Orlando Magic are in the same castle as, like, the Sacramento or the Kings Pistons. or something. Ew. I would, I would take the Pistons job just to coach a dude like Sage Cunningham. I'm not going to lie. Let me get this straight. You'd rather coach a dude like Cade Cunningham, and I love him, over LeBron James? I'm, I thought AD? you were just I, – I didn't know we were comparing here. I was just saying, like, that could oh. be a cool job to have. Just to, I mean, any job would be dope to have. Right? <laughs> I'll be the fucking ball boy for the, the damn – But anyway, talk, yeah. talking about the Pistons, a dude like Dwayne Casey – Give me your coach, Detroit. Would be fire. I think that'd be fire. Hmm. Number one, I think he brings that attitude and – like a, a a good combination of of like a strong mindset and attitude, but also a humble mentality. That man won Coach of the Year, and he got fired the same fucking year. I feel like he's hungry to go w- win an NBA championship. You don't think a part of him feels like fucking Nick Nurse gets all the stupid ass credit when of course. I, I could have. You know, I could have done the same shit. I would just won Coach of the Year, and these motherfuckers fired me. Hundred percent. So. He went to the Pistons maybe because it was his only job. Maybe because um, uh, they brought him in to win now. They, they had uh, Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson and a bunch of these other C-plus, B-minus tier players in order to win now that they brought in the coach of the year. And it hasn't worked out. And now you know they're on a different kind of trajectory, uh, trajectory with the type of players that they have being young and all that. But uh, I, I just feel like he needs to go to a situation where it's win now, and I feel like he's the type of dude who, that can handle 
that type of uh, expectations and handle star players, and he's fucking hungry, and he has an attitude, and, but he's also humble. Like, w- What do you think about that? So on what grounds do we have to say that Dwayne Casey can handle superstar talent? I just feel like being on the big stage hmm. with, with DeMar and Kyle Lowry. Like, when I, when I saw that Toronto Raptors team, and honestly that culture was there before Nick Nurse ever got there, it was very selfless. Right, like it, that was a team that played for each other. Ball movement, didn't, ball movement. It didn't Crazy. matter who got the most shots. The ball ended up going to the best players for the score the most points. But that's kind of a natural flow of basketball. And the right? offense that was pretty good. Yeah, like, it wasn't. You like, had a lot of players engaged at the same time. It had all the principles of contemporary NBA offense, all that good stuff. Um, but he's never been in a situation like he would be in LA, where. These expectations are heaped upon you, expectations from the front office, from the fan base, from the players themselves, from LeBron James and his camp. I'm sure there's a lot of strings pulling on a coach in L.A. Is that something that you think he'd be equipped to do? I think he would because Mm -hmm. he just seems like a a dude when I see him in interviews um, that he's – I don't want to use – for lack of a better word, I'm going to use the word stubborn. Mm-hmm. But you have to be a little bit stubborn. Headstrong. Yeah, like that. yeah, that, that, that's a, that might be a better word. You have to be a little bit headstrong when you're dealing with a bunch of fucking divas and a bunch of, you know, an organization that can be probably get on your nerves sometimes, being on your ass about all these expectations. Like, we have to get these wins, we have to get these fucking wins or else yada, yada, yada. So I, I feel like he'd be a good dude for that. Got you. And your other coach was... Rick Carlisle. That's Rick a fucking pipe, pipe dream. He just got to Indiana. So, the, I mean, the reason I named Dwayne Casey is because I feel like... I feel, <laughs> if I entered his mind, I feel like he's same to, saying to himself, like, what am I doing in Detroit? Like, I, I want to go chase a championship. But with Rick Carlisle, I feel like he's also doing the same thing, but he just got to Indiana. And um, I think he's from Indiana, right? Is he? That would I, make sense. I, I think so. Um, and I feel like he's also the type of dude to be like, LeBron James, <laughs> no, I'm definitely not coaching your ass. I just coached a dude like Luka, and you might be worse. So so that in lies my question, because whatever coach you get, it's got to be signed off on by him. And that, that's why I think Dwayne Casey wouldn't be the type of dude to say no to that, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Rick Carlisle, on the other hand, that's exactly <laughs> like the, the kind of dude that I feel like we need. And establishing a culture of, like, consistency and discipline. Obviously, that, that shit's hard mm-hmm. to do with, with LeBron there. But I think I'm also looking at it long term mm-hmm. um, after LeBron. But, yeah, I think those two names would be dope. I think you certainly need a coach who's going to coach. You know what I mean? I think part of what um, in Vogel, I think, is getting scapegoated a lot. Um, but part of what he's not bringing to the table that this team needs right now is some sort of offensive philosophy, right? This team has and zero offense. they were offense. like, oh, uh, what's his name? Who's on the coaching staff right now? The guy who used to coach in Memphis and Miami. Uh, what's his name? Used to coach in Memphis. Fisdale? Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave Fisdale. Fisdale. He was supposed to bring that. Oh, all hail Dave. You know, Dave, David, David Fisdale. Yeah. No, that motherfucker's not bringing that. And when he filled in for Vogel, how do you know why Vogel's not to blame? When this man filled in for five, seven games, we went like one in six. Take that for data. You remember when he said yeah, that? Yeah, take that for data, motherfucker. <laughs> take that for data. Yeah, oh, exactly. Shit. That man's no. not to blame, but we all know he's going to get fired. So go after a guy like. Dwayne Casey. Yeah, but you need somebody, and that's why I would think Rick Carlisle would be attractive, even though that might rub some feathers the wrong way because of yeah. the type of coach he is. Yeah, He would have some sort of offensive philosophy that you could implement because right now we talk about Russell Westbrook and how it doesn't fit. I have to say that part of the fit has, at least part of the blame, has to be incumbent on the coaching staff for not bringing any sort of creativity or imagination to the table when it's like how do we integrate Russell Westbrook into this offense. It hasn't looked... Like, they've even attempted to do that. It's just like Russell Westbrook, here's the ball, try and figure some shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not It's, the, it's not yeah. working there. Is that Chris? Yo. All right, all right. So, all right, team, come on. Come on let, let's gather up after practice. Fuck, we suck, got- man. Shit, LeBron. Sorry, motherfucker. Bron, Bron. What's what'd up, you, coach? What'd you say? I said we suck. 
I'm out here with these sorry ass motherfuckers don't know how to run a goddamn can, pick and can, roll. Can, can we maybe look to improve and look in the mirror a little bit? The mirror. <laughs> hey, Russ, come over here. I got to talk to you. Russ, hold your ass right over there. <laughs> I got to talk to Coach real quick. You a- said a- look at the what? AD, you in the training room again? Anthony, you stay your injured, crippled ass over there. You said look at what? The fucking mi- THT. If you don't take your old white pasty Get crusty your ass, bad contract ass. You said who over here? Who? THC. No, THC. See, now you talking about my. Now nigga. you want to sign J.R. Smith? Is that what you said? J- I'll sign J.R. Smith if I goddamn want to. Okay. I sign who the fuck? I sign Bronny right now out of high school if I want to. Goddamn. You know what the fuck you talk? How many rings you get? How many rings you win? How many rings you win? Like oh yeah, that's right. And you think you slick because that one came off me, but we was really bullshitting, okay? <laughs> we was really bullshitting. We wasn't playing for real, all right? I beat your ass though. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. I got three, fucker. How many you got? You're zero percent against me. I'm a hundred percent against you. I'm sorry. I said three. I got four, fucker. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Nah. So if I fucking punch you in the face right now, it's gonna have four championship <laughs> rings right across your fucking forehead. So you better watch nah. what he's talking. But then- Why don't we move into this top 10? I'm excited. I'm, I don't know how I feel about my list. I might honestly I, I change it on the fly. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it either, but do you want to go 1 to 10 or 10 to 1? Let's go 10 to 1. That's always more fun for me. I'm not going to lie. So, I, I can hear Eddie's voice in my head. Don't bury the lead. Don't bury the lead. Just well, go fuck one that. You a uh, communications major, so you don't even do journalism. Facts. I'm not even fucking with journalism like that. So I'll, Facts. You know, I shouldn't say that. I'm getting a degree in journalism. But I'll bury the hell out of my leads. I'm not going to lie. Anyways, number top 10. 10. This is hard for me. But I'm going to go with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Boston Celtics. That's my 10. Yeah. It's so And just to preface this, this list, is so many, maybe not so many, but there's a few where it's like, this one dude is so special. Yeah. But the He's, second dude's like... Like, he's good, but yeah. fuck. To be clear, yeah. I don't know if y'all recall from the top of the episode, but this is our top 10 two duos. duos, tandems, pairings, however you want to call it, in the NBA. Yeah. So my number 10 is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Two dynamic wings, both can score. Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum's decision-making is really coming around, not just in terms of his ability to move the ball and pass, but really just his processing is really getting a lot quicker. He's able to play the game at his own pace. Um and have the desired outcomes uh, of a superstar. So I, I think him in tandem with Jalen Brown, who has a lot of overlap between their two games, but I, I think Jason Tatum's kind of hit that next level um, that I'm not sure Jalen Brown can ever hit just because Jason Tatum's that special of a player. But, yeah, I got them at 10, man. They're looking real nice in Boston Holy right now. shit. I forgot about a. Uh-oh. I forgot about one. Uh-oh. Do you need to reconfigure your list real Holy quick? Holy crap. Holy crap. Damn. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. No, my my 10 was uh uh Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Oh right. I, I just forgot about another one. So is it somebody that bumps them out, out of the top ten? No, because I'm just fuck. I'm reconfiguring in my in my head right now. But yes, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Also, 10. point of clarification, injuries aside. Or no? See, because the one I forgot about is Kawhi and PG. So we can exclude them if you want to. We can exclude neither, them? Neither of them have All right, been. Let, let's, let's exclude them just for, for this exercise okay. to, to make it a little bit easier. Got you. Because I wasn't yeah. sure if they were going to be in here or not. Yeah. So, yeah. My, my tenant is Tatum and Brown. Got it. Um. So with that, that actually makes my 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, yeah. My 10 is still Tatum. Let's do nine? Yeah. So my nine was DeMar and uh, Zach Levine. That's... I was going to say too low, but they're my eight. I have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I thought... Damn, I I thought they were going to be out. No, Uh no. I need them in there. I need them in there for sure. I need them in there. So I definitely thought Jimmy and uh, Bam were going to be out for you. They're my 11. This, for for my 10, uh, Tatum and Brown and, and Jimmy and Bam... We're really, you know, I guess fighting for that 10th spot for me. 
the best player technically, I, I guess, would be Jason Tatum. But if if I if somebody asked me pick a player from one of these four players, I'm picking Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. But the way Jason Tatum and no, it's not just because of the, of that one crazy game he had. If he keeps ascending like this, and obviously Jalen Brown has taken insane steps th- these last few years, I got to give it to them. Yeah, I got to give it to them Be- because we're not only doing the past and the present, but we're also kind of looking forward. I think. In my head, yeah. So I, I got to give it to Tatum and Brown, and that puts uh, Jimmy and Bam eleven for me. It's interesting because the way Tatum's like development has, the way his development trajectory has gone, it's like he takes these insane leaps and then he plateaus for a while, and then it's like, what the fuck's happening with Jason Tatum? Mm. And then it's like, bam, holy shit, he just got a lot better, and then he plateaus. And it's like, holy fuck, he just learned how to do this, and then he just plateaus. It's really, it's like really not boom and bust, but it's like. He hits these threshold points where it's almost like, oh shit, he gets it. He gets something else about it. Okay, it's not just about taking tum or or tough shots, but also smart shots. He gets it. Oh, he can play make a little bit now. He gets it. Oh, he can finish at the rim better. He gets it. Oh, he's processing a lot quicker. He get, like he just takes these really broad leaps and then plateaus. And right now we're in the midst of another leap, so that's why I understand why you're you're projecting a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're at my ten. Jimmy and Bam are at my nine. DeRozan and Levine were at my eight. My my nine were DeMar and Levine. Your eight was DeMar and Levine. My eight, let me see, was Steph and Clay. See. See, this is where we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Because not only do I feel like that's too low, but I also feel like you have the wrong duo for the Golden State Warriors. I know. You're going to say Draymond. Draymond. And and, uh, and you're going to throw out, oh, they're one, they've are they struggled you know, getting wins. Don't tell me what I'm going to say. You don't know that. You don't know what and I'm going to say. all that shit. And then their, their defense Maybe I just don't want two light-skinned dudes. You ever thought of that? <laughs> and I, I really wish Eddie was here for the conversation. I do, too. Because... And not only for, for this uh, specific duo or, or when, it, when it comes to his team, but just because I, I just find this conversation so interesting because, again, there's so many like, okay, Steph is obviously the one, but it's like, damn, should I include this? Obviously, the duo is going to be included, but how high, how low do I make this duo? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got Steph and, Steph and Clay at eight. Those are your eight. Gotcha. Yeah. So, seven, I have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Let me see. Um, and see, this is where it also gets tough because them I, I had a little bit higher, mm-hmm. but maybe it's I, I'm I, I'm having flawed thinking and perception because I'm thinking of them in the context of their team, and so I'm willing to drop mm-hmm. them lower to where you're at because maybe well, I, well, I, I do have them a little high. So at seven, I, I got Jaw and. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Really? Yeah. I appreciate that. I didn't have him in my top 10. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. I, I thought yeah. about uh, Desmond Bain and Ja. Honestly, like. See, that. See that's another one. You can have to, Desmond and Ja. It's tough to see, like. You know? Yeah, it's like a scoring versus def- defense thing. Um, But I didn't have him in my top 10. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, Ja and Triple J. Thank you. Shout out Memphis. Um, So, six. Is where I have Steph and Draymond. Okay. So do we need to have a discussion right now about why or who is the second? And obviously, okay. there's no need to hierarchize things. Like I'm yeah, sure yeah, they yeah. can give a fuck. Yeah. But yeah, just for yeah, the of purposes course. of this conversation, let's have the argument. So who's the second guy, Clay b- or Dre? Before the before the injury, I will die to my grave. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll I'll go fighting, you know, tooth and nail to my fucking grave that, you know, Clay was more important than Draymond. Mm-hmm. Uh. But as of right now, I might be able to be convinced and to submit that Draymond might be a little bit more important. As of right right now, how Clay is, is how Clay has played. I, I don't still, even think it has anything to do with the way I, Clay has played. I still got I still got to see how Clay you know plays um, down the stretch you know towards the end of the season because if he improves, then you know it might just be a fucking you know they're tired of playing all these regular season games. Here's my losing. thing. Steph, Steph's effectiveness without Draymond is worse than Steph's effectiveness without Clay. That's uh, what's it called? Like that's called that. That's recency bias. That's not no. I, I think because that's last been the year case. he didn't fucking have Draymond for a lot of the year, and he was the MVP. In, in yeah, but he didn't have Clay for all the year as well. 
but what I'm saying is if if I need if I if you're telling me Reagan, you get to have a team or just put it this way. You can either have Steph and Draymond for a year on the Warriors or Steph and Clay. Which team's going further? Peak Clay? Give me Clay. Versus Peak Draymond? Give me Clay. I'm taking Peak Draymond through and through. Give me Clay. Well, and, and that's where we disagree. Uh, because, A, not only on the offensive end, right? We understand what Draymond does in terms of opening the floor up in the. In I'd rather have Clay on the offensive end. You need Draymond. You There's, need fucking Clay. You don't need Clay. Clay is the luxury. Clay is the cherry on top that makes them OD to guard. Yeah, because if, but if Draymond's not, you don't the have sh- to double fucking stuff. Bro, let me tell you something. You can't Steph double stuff. Is the engine. Draymond is the tires. Clay is that nice, shiny coat of paint that you put on top of the car. Oh, that's, that's fucking like, oh, disrespect. Shit, that makes that it is cool as such hell. disrespect. Without Clay, that system still works. That is without so Draymond. Th- hear me out. Without Clay, that system still works. It's not as effective as we'd seen it be, but it still works functionally. Without Draymond, that shit falls apart. It that's, falls apart. That's so disrespectful. It falls apart. You need Draymond as the roller to find Clay. You need when you're talking about need uh, Draymond or need X X player to do what to. Set the high screen. No, 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 not within the game, but to accomplish what? Win. Win yeah. what? Championship. You think you have a better chance with fucking Draymond Green more than Clay Thompson? Yes. This man, Clay Thompson, makes you lethal, bro. Like he, but, no, him, no, I, him and Steph, you. I'm with makes you on the that. other team depressed. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent That uh, that. Clay Thompson is the the What's, additive that takes the Golden State Warriors from like, goddamn, how do we defend this shit? To holy shit, we cannot defend it. You know what I mean? Like that's the difference between Draymond and Clay to me. What's easier to replace? A hundred percent Clay. A hundred percent Clay. Draymond. There's not. Well, a I mean, Clay. I'm talking about peak. I'm not talking about right now. Even then, it's a hundred percent Draymond. No, because I haven't even talked. I haven't said a so, word about. So why, why 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 didn't they fucking? replace clay while he was out because it's not you can't find that shooting just anywhere but you can i'm saying but you literally quite literally and i'm I'm not trying to discount clay as a player here because we all know that's a rare type of player who can shoot like that arguably the second so defensively you'd be fine right like you wouldn't be like you you can get no but you know how my my philosophy is i'm going to need the center point the focal point that can protect the rim before i need the perimeter I'm, I'm, i'm saying i'm saying defensively you can find the replacement for draymond no, you cannot. So There's you, not a single player you, you in can't NBA find a, you can't, you can't, you can't find a, a Ben Simmons. You think Ben Simmons just grow on trees? So tell me another player like Clay even that ben, glo- grows even, on even trees. Ben Simmons so tell do me, it. so tell me another player like Clay that grows on trees. I'm not saying that there's players like Clay, but what I'm saying is when you look at how the Warriors' system offensively and defensively works functionally, Draymond has he carries more importance than what Clay does. Clay is the additive that takes you over the top and makes you impossible to guard, but Draymond is part of the foundation. Tell me another guy in the league that that's peak that's like peak Clay. I can't. You can't. I'm not gonna sit up I here. I can and tell talk. you another guy that that's like Draymond. Who? Ben Simmons. Cap. And he's and he might be better. Cap. If he grew up in that system, he he would be better. He has more talent. I truly believe that we discount how intelligent of a defender Draymond Green is. As great as Ben Simmons is, I don't even think he can do what uh, what uh, Draymond D- Green does defensively because not only is he quarterbacking he, the other and, four players on the court. But he's so much better on offense than Draymond that it's like, bro. But what I'm saying is like you need for the, the Warriors to, and that's what we discount about the Warriors system and how it's grown over the years and how much success it's had, as enticing and flamboyant and electric and dynamic as the offense is, a lot of it is because of what they were able to do on the defensive end of the floor. Right? They they were they're not the 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 three-time champions that they are without what they were able to accomplish on that end of the floor. And all of that, even not all of it, 90% of that has to do with Draymond Green. Not Klay Thompson defending the best player on the on the opposing but team. But at the end of the day, it's not a one-on-one game. You know that like I know that. And Draymond Green is the quarterback of the five players on the court playing team defense at a high rate year in and year out. Give me Clay. On defense, give me give me Clay. You would rather have Clay to I'd a- rather have the defender defending the best player that can defend the best player on the opposing team than 
you know. That's a wild statement, Julio. I need you to understand how crazy that is. Because this is somebody that has multiple defensive player of the year. I to their know, name. and I knew you were gonna bring that up because they love giving fucking that award to big guys. There's absolutely no way. I refuse to accept that. There's there's no way that Give you believe Clay. that Clay Thompson is a more effective defender than Draymond I, Green. I don't know about effective. I just want I just you, know. you have preference. Effective defender. I don't know Who's about effective. More, yeah. I, I just want a guy Why? who can defend the best player on the opposing team effectively. No, don't use my fucking word. <laughs> it's an effectively. No. We, we keep it pushing, yeah, bro. Yeah. We keep it pushing. So uh, I think we're on seven. Yeah, yeah. I said uh, that John, was my six. I said John Triple J. Yeah. Uh, my six was Braun and AD. Mm. So you're sipping the haterade a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Haterade? You're sipping the haterade a little bit. AD is a fucking bum, bro. <laughs> like, a bum? A bum? Really? A bum? <laughs> no, no, no. A bum? But in all seriousness, like, looking forward, taking into account this season and taking into account last season, it's not much I can fucking defend you on, bro. And and Braun is getting to, obviously, he's getting, you know, up there in age, but it's like, bro, you're, you're becoming like a liability to us on our team. Okay. Let me put it this way. Is this because of injury or is this because of on-court play? Both. Both. So if I took injury out of it, he's still at your six? Uh, Let me see. Because I'm not going to lie. I know in, like there's a lot of players here that some of them are injury prone. Some of them aren't. Um, uh, Maybe he's a little higher, but he's been playing like a... I'm, I try to stop with the name calling, but, you know, it kind of pissed me off that Westbrook is crying about Westbrook, bro. It's fucking sports, bro. Like, come on. Like, don't don't be crying about that shit. So I, I, I will refrain from calling AD a, a hoe. But like a that hoe is that, crazy. That, that's the way. That's Julio. That wasn't Reagan. But he. If y'all happen to come across the, this shit. But holy the, shit. But the way he plays. Why do you play so soft, bro? bro? Why do you play so soft? A guy like Jaw who weighs my weight. No. No. That man weighs. What is he weigh? 165? Jawa probably weighs about a buck eighty on his best day. I would probably say more like one seventy five. Why do you? And that's my weight. Why? Why is a guy like my weight attacking attacks the rim harder than you have ever done in your career? You're soft. Even a guy like Joel Embiid, who I got on, you, you know, early on and a few years back, it's like, bro, why don't you attack the rim? Use your fucking big ass body. Get in the fucking paint, bro. And now he's in the paint more. And now he's an MVP candidate. Even a guy like Jokic. Like, he's not... He, yes, he is a big, bruising guy. But he's not, like, super uberly athletic or as, as athletic as AD. And it's like, he still gets in the paint. And he's effective from outside. Do both. Mm-hmm. But get in the paint first. And, and it's like, he plays so, so soft, even when he's healthy. The thing with Anthony Davis... um, First of all, you got to remember that he was a guard before he was anything. Before he had that growth spurt, right, that that took him to the 6'11 that he is now, he was a guard. And that's why when you look at his game, it's from the outside in rather than the inside out like but most But you're not bigs. a good shooter, bro. I'm not I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that, that that's what it is. And that's why Anthony Davis kind of plays the way that he does. Not to mention the fact that he really don't want that smoke from a body standpoint. He doesn't like banging with dudes down low. Point being, at a certain point, I understand the frustration in we can't keep judging the dude, what was he, nine, ten years into his career off of the potential that he had rather than we his, his on-court production is what it is. But Anthony Davis, when he's had his chance to get his feet under him at his peak, we saw what how effective he could be when they went on that finals run. Can we expect that? No. That's why they're not number one on my list because if that was the Anthony Davis we got on a nightly basis, they'd be far and away the best duo in the league. Maybe not far and away. And he still has LeBron ranked number nine. But oh yeah, that's great. Nah, no, like, but yeah, AD AD just pissed me off. But I that it feels like you're making that judgment based on like the worst of AD, and I don't think it's fair to make a judgment. I feel like on it, the, yes, it's because they, some some people will make this judgment on the best of it. Like they'll point to that final and say that's the AD we can get, and some people will look at like the AD that you're judging off of and say that's the AD that he is. Yeah, because that's the AD he's been for the last two years, and that you know I that have he is to right now. chalk some of that up to the injuries, though. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of, for lack of a better word, middle grounding it, and that's why we'll get to where he they're at on my list later. But that's why I have him ranked higher. So number five, number five for me, and one of these guys is currently injured, but Jokic or Murray. Oh, I was going to say, I made a mistake because 
you know, I didn't include Paul George and Kawhi, but uh, and, and not because of the injury, just because I totally forgot about them. Mm-hmm. And w- when we brought up, like, yeah, we're going to exclude dudes that, that are injured, but then I had them at my five, and yes, they're my five. Jokic and Murray? Yep. Oh, word. I just feel like that's, like, the perfect kind of spot for them. They're not. De- they're definitely not in the 7 to 10, 12 range, yeah. but they're definitely not maybe in the 1 through 3 they're not. Range. They're definitely not in the bottom because, like, I mean, shit, we saw it when they were at their best. They can play with anybody in the top three. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like you said, you have to account for the team construct as well. Yeah. They have a great team around them, so maybe yeah. they're not in the upper, upper echelon. But when they're at their best and their team situation is good, they can play with anyone in the league. And yeah. I think that's why you got to put them up there. Um, even higher than Steph and Draymond, which is kind of crazy to yes. say, but like I it's think ju- it's warranted. No, it's yeah. warranted. It, it, no, it is. It is. Um, so who's your four? My four is, where is it? CP3 and Book. And mm. this is where I was saying uh, that maybe I'm taking a little bit too much into context the team around them and how much success they're having. Mm-hmm. And yes, they do lead their team, but their team is just so well constructed. They have no freaking holes. They're so deep. They're so well coached. And so maybe that's playing a little bit into it. But I, I just feel like um, maybe it's a little high, but I, I feel like there is an argument to be had for them at four. CP3 is just, you know, he, the way he runs a team, the way he can score the ball when they need him to, um, and, and Book is, is just Book. Yeah. I'm not mad at it simply because, like, when you watch them both play and they're both healthy, they are perhaps the perfect backcourt. I can't think of yeah. a better one. It's like, yeah. It, because it's like you got the, a dude who can manage the game. And pass, score. He can score. And they, but he doesn't have to take on the bulk of the scoring exactly. mode because Devin Booker can do the that. D-Book is there. And he's younger. But like, it's almost like the they don't the, cover each other's weaknesses because neither one really has weaknesses. But like the places where there's things that left to be like Devin Booker can run your offense if you ask him yeah, to. But, yeah. but you don't need to ask him to do that because you have maybe the best guy doing it right now, Chris Paul. Chris Paul can score if you ask him to, but you don't need him to ask him to do that all the time because you have fucking Devin Booker who can do it. So the fact that neither one of them have holes in their game, but the places where they're not, you know, fucking top three out there doing it right now, the other guy is the top three doing it. No, I I totally agree with that sentiment. That makes them them fucking... So what's your four? My four, I got Giannis and Middleton. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, Giannis is carrying a lot, but let's not yes. forget how good Middleton was yeah. in that fight. I mean, Giannis that, is carrying a lot. Giannis is of, carrying a lot. It's one of those where it's like, But, damn. like, damn, yeah, Middleton has some fucking moments, too. I mean, we've seen it. He does. Fucking Kendrick Perkins, fucking Superman and Batman or whatever the hell he did to, I don't know, the fucking Robin shit was so dumb. That was a sad era of NBA media. He's not Robin. He's Batman. Get the fuck out of here. You know what y'all was saying two weeks ago? I digress, bro. But, like, yeah, Giannis is carrying a lot there, but Middleton is an all-star caliber player. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. Um, who can get his buckets in his own he can. Right? So that's my four. Who's your four? It was uh, CP3 and Book. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, work. So three free. Wait. Where's Giannis at? Giannis and Middleton, number three. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, Giannis gonna... is just so freaking, he's grown so much Yeah. from the days that I was fucking bashing him. But he, he's just grown so much. So even yeah. if he even if he's carrying ninety percent of that, I mean, it's warranted. It's crazy, yeah. And he might be higher. So I got three LeBron and AD, and this is me taking because LeBron is LeBron. I give you Giannis and and Middleton or Bron and AD. Who are you taking? Give me LeBron and AD. I, I'm assuming Anthony Davis is healthy. Yeah, like LeBron Anthony Davis of these past two years. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't feel like he's ever really had his feet under him. So if I'm taking the median of peak Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis over the past two years, and I'm finding like the the middle of that, I'm taking LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm taking LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm not going to lie. I think my heart would end up clouding my mind, and I'll still choose Bron just because it's Bron. But if if it's my mind speaking, like just clearly and transparently, I'm going to take Giannis. I mean, Giannis, <laughs> he would say Chris Middleton. <laughs> Just give me Giannis. <laughs> yeah. Give me Giannis over at LeBron give me, and give AD. Me, give me Giannis it. and uh, Grayson Allen. <laughs> Fuck, man. I, no, I mean, I hear you, and I'm not mad at it, but I do think that it's not not even to say that it's easy to kick AD while he's down, but, like, 
it's easy to forget how good Anthony Davis can be when he hasn't had his feet over under him over the past year and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that he gets his feet back under him. I don't even know if it's going to be in a Lakers uniform at this point, but if and when he does, we're going to remember like why we judged him to be the dude that he was. He's a fucking great player. He's just never healthy or like playing the way that you would expect him to play. It just pissed me off why teams always got to wait for for guys' values to drop before trading them. That's fair. Trade it. You fucking should have traded AD last After the championship? Season. Okay, I thought last you were going to say after season. the championship is crazy. Um, should have traded THD too. We can get into all that, but we're not a Lakers podcast. That's right. <laughs> we might as well be sometimes. Um, number two. Katie and Kyrie. Mm. I, I got to. I have Harden and Bead. I got Harden and Bead. I, I got to because K- Katie and Kyrie, I mean, I mean, just – just watching KD alone last year, and it's the, it's the thing that sticks most in my mind, against the Bucks. I mean, it, it gets to a point where it's like, that's impossible to do. That's ridiculous. No one can ever replicate that. And if you add the most, what I think, the most skilled player ever in Kyrie, I mean, come on. I don't I don't need, I don't really need to see that shit because if Kyrie can come back and, and the mandates are probably going to be lifted by next season. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, by the playoffs, I, I really don't need to see much. So, am I to assume then that Joel Embiid and yes, or James Harden are your number one? Mm-hmm. I have that reversed. I have Kyrie, KD, one. And I wouldn't be mad. So, what what's your what's your argument for 76ers duo over Brooklyn duo? And look, the the argument in my estimation isn't even like too too strong just because if you say oh well Kyrie and KD haven't played many games with each other so how would you know um I mean James Harden and Joel Embiid haven't either and I mean KD and Kyrie have been you know successful and so have uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid I just think that I'm not much of a dude to say like oh but they fit better I usually go just go with the better players I'm honestly shocked that you don't have it the way I have it but I just think that, honestly, again, that they fit better. And maybe that's a product of how the team – and not to say that Brooklyn isn't deep, but I just feel like the, the team in Philly is uh, more well-constructed. But just the duos by themselves, I think James Harden is happy taking a st- like a secondary scoring, scoring role mm-hmm. where he's more of a distributor and that's more of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And Joel Embiid rising up as a younger, he's not a young player, but as a younger guy on the team, as the face of the team, I just feel like that that's more of a Shaq Kobe type of type of duo. I hear you. Um complimenting each other. But part of me, and I, I think this is ultimately what gave the Brooklyn guys the edge in my mind, was thinking about how does this playoff, and it's inevitable. I, I hope. I mean, it's nothing's inevitable because we thought Lakers-Clippers in the playoffs was inevitable. But here's hoping we get to see that Brooklyn-Philly series at some point. Envisioning how that plays out, I got to give the edge to Brooklyn because of those two guys. Because you know, like I know, when push comes to shove and those foul shots get a little bit harder to come by and it becomes about who's going to get you buckets down the stretch... I'm trusting Kyrie and KD to do that far more than I trust Harden and Embiid. And that's really what it came down to yeah. in my mind. Because no, if you no, put those I two mean, in a game, if, I think that use, comes down to the wire nine times out of if ten. If you use that argument, then like solely based on, on on its head, just you know, looking through that lens and perspective, definitely KD and Kyrie. And honestly, not that it might not even be close. It might not even be close. I mean, shit. You talked about fuck, 50 points on sending... You yeah. gotta get into all that. This is it's wild, but so we both agree those are the top two duos in the NBA. Definitely, like it, to me, it's clear. Hmm. If Giannis had a better player, if Giannis had a Kyrie, then it'd be best duo. In yeah, the NBA. I mean the fact that Giannis or even a James Harden. Like I mean, shit. If Giannis had a damn Jamal Murray, like yeah. If we had yeah. If he had a damn Derek Fit. <laughs> so here's my last question for you before we get up out of here. I had some points to bring up too, but oh, sure, you go ahead because okay. my question is like a closing question. Okay, so um, some some guys that you know we, Did, we honorable kinda, mentions, yeah, honorable okay, mentions, gotcha. and, and that we left out. Yeah. So n- number one, 
uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. So it's not one. so much that I love Rudy Gobert, but it's like I started running out of duos in my head, and so Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is just so special. You got to remember how, like Donovan Mitchell is the one player that like tangibly takes their game to a different level come playoff time. Yeah. Like, a lot of guys, it feels that way. Like, a Damian Lillard, it feels that way because of the heat of the moment. But Donovan Mitchell, dead ass, becomes a better player. Like, his efficiency goes up. His scoring goes up. His playmaking goes up. He becomes a better player in the playoffs, which is crazy to me because the setting is not conducive for that shit. But Donovan Mitchell's a baller, man. So, Num- uh, the, yeah, that's honorable mention. The second one that I had was Luka and Dinwiddie, question mark. Luke but is it's carrying like, a lot of weight there. Luke is carrying more weight than freaking Giannis. Yeah. I is. mean, Dinwiddie's been coming around. But he ain't like, no yeah, Chris yeah. Middleton. Yeah. And Luke so, is carrying a lot of weight there. And so uh, I, I just feel like I, I had to throw him in there. And then obviously. I have Fox and Sabonis as one just because those are two borderline all-stars. I give you Fox and Sabonis or Luca and Luca. Dim- just I mean, yeah. uh, you, you could literally say Fox and Sabonis or, or Luca. Luca and and oh. myself two on two. <laughs> like yeah. give me Luca. Yeah. You got me, right? Um and then one that I feel like probably doesn't scratch this list necessarily, but perhaps is something to look out for, at least in the context of this season, BI and CJ McCollum have been playing their ass off together. They've been playing their ass off. BI and CJ McCollum. Zion? Oh. I mean I mean shit. Zion's a whole different story. <laughs> we'll see like what that is, but like just in the in the few weeks that they've played together, they've looked really nice together. They look real nice. I thought you were gonna say uh, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. In the give coming it, years, give, give it give it a couple. Let, let it marinate. Give for it a, a year years. and a half. Give it a couple years. Let that marinate. That's um, gonna be tough. That's gonna be tough for sure. And then obviously the duo that I forgot, Kawhi and PG. Where would you have them if they were if, if they, they were came healthy, back right now? If they, they came back right now, both of them like a hundred percent healthy. Let, actually, let, let, that's better. Let's do that where, you know, this is the Clippers of two years ago. When they first came to L.A., they're, they're healthy, they're playing. And they after are, they just lost to the Denver Nuggets, let's say. They're right under Jokic and Murray, man. Because I can't put them above them. I just saw them beat you. <laughs> like, I, I can't. I can't. I'm, they're right under Jokic and Murray for me. Oh, shit, that's tough. Jokic has grown so much in my mind. Yeah. And, and in my eyes since since 100%. then. Oh, I might and have to go. If you're doing with the Murray that they got that play that playoffs, like yeah. Yeah, I might have to go Jokic and Murray. Dang. NBA is so crazy. It is crazy. And that's what I was going to ask you is that has there ever been... We got a, into the discussion. Yeah. yeah. A, a stronger period of duos in NBA no. history. And it's only... It's great for the league. Yeah. Because, number one, there are no, like, oh, Braun can rest against the freaking, I don't know, the Spurs, right? Or the, the Pelicans or whatever trash-ass team that used to be trash. I mean, shoot, we didn't even mention, and I don't really love them too much, Cat and, I don't know, Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Edwards is crazy. So man. it's like it, the, every team is going to have like a duo, and, and that's so crazy to think about because in a way where we got in, into this time period where Brogdon Halliburton, guys were like teaming up, right, mm. in like Miami and L.A., and it's like, Oh, the, the freaking Warriors. Oh, all the fucking stars are on this one or two, three teams. Well, now everybody's realizing like, oh, shoot, we can kind of all separate or like each team has their own. And so it's kind of evened out now. Yeah. The NBA's gotten so talented and, and skilled where, I mean, every team can have their own and it's like equal shots right now. And though that may not get the ratings that Warriors and Cavs did, but it'll definitely be a more entertaining playoffs for like real basketball. Yeah, hundred percent. That'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, very much appreciated to everybody who tunes into our episodes. We very much. Let me take a moment to say that. If you listen. Because, you know, we're college students. We have shit going on in our lives. Julio, you know, 
I don't know if y'all are tuned in, but like, you know, he has his back things going on. So sometimes it's hard. Um, obviously, Eddie's in London. I'm, I'm a student. I got classwork and shit like it. it, it long and short of it, we appreciate y'all for tuning in because we know we're not as consistent as we could be sometimes. But we're students just trying to make it happen. We've got a passion for the game of basketball. And y'all appreciate what we have to say. That means a lot. Even if it's, you know, just a couple of y'all out there. Sometimes we might get 12 listens on an episode. Sometimes we might get fucking 500 listens on an episode. It really don't matter to us because the fun for it is just getting in here and talking. So, you know, for those of y'all who do give a shit about what we have to say, very much appreciated. You can find out more of the shit we have to say on our socials at Pod, Instagram, Twitter, personal socials, Reagan D. Griffin on Twitter, Julio JT Martinez on Twitter, all that good stuff. I actually deleted Twitter. That was a big step for me. I deleted Twitter. I was spending too much time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.